Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 56 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. Episode 56. Uh, my Australian lingo would place me in a category, squarely in the category of knackered, knackered. at this moment. Which for those of you who are not yet uh, Australian aficionados, that means tired slash exhausted slash whatever. And I, see, I swear, this is me every week, but it's true, especially today. Yeah. So much so that I am waking up right now. Probably I woke up, let's see, <laughs> probably 15 minutes ago. Yeah, right. I was, I fell asleep on the floor of my <sighs> children's room. I've in, done that. In I've been a, there. Oh my gosh. Like in a pile of, of stuffed animals. Like my kids were tired or they were like, you know, every night I swear it's like they want me to sleep in their room. But, uh, you know, if I let them, they would ask me, they would, I would be in there every night. But tonight I just wanted, to get, wanted them to get to sleep because I knew we had this going on. So like if I lay in the room for a couple of minutes, though, so yeah. I just passed out just like on the floor, like on the carpet, no pillow, just like passed yep. out. <laughs> no, I've done that as well. We've got where Eli's play area is out in our family room. We've got like these rubber like play tiles and I've on more than one occasion just fallen asleep laying there. Like I get up when he wakes yeah. up in the morning and I'm watching him and Ree comes in and she's like, you're asleep. I'm like, yeah, but he's fine. If he cries, I'll wake up. Where's he going to go? <laughs> he's inside. Like he's, we've got the little baby cage now. So, cause Ree wanted to baby proof all the cupboards and put locks on everything. I'm like, no, just, what, what we'll do it. is we'll just cage him off and then you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Cause then if he can't get to it, he can't open it. I do, however, remember one time where I had an outlet that was open and like I was recording a podcast and one of my kids stuck something in it or something. So, and then I was like, yeah, okay, it's worth it. It's worth it. But they'll only do that once. So yeah, well, sure, sure. Cause they'll either be dead or they'll learn the lesson. Yeah, they'll learn so the hard way. That's, yeah. <laughs> that works. I'm all for teaching Speaking the hard of way. construction, you're going to like this segue. Speaking of construction and uh, working on things, we actually have a guest today. Do we not? And Mr. McCreary, J-Mac, as many of you guys know him, is also sort of a construction guy. Uh, is that true, Jason? Are you sort of like from a construction background or something like that? Tell me about this a little bit real quick. Well, maybe not a construction background, but yes, one of my first jobs was uh, technically what they would call a grunt. Uh, so <laughs> that meant that I hauled all the boards and uh, collected You were tools. the laborer. I was the laborer uh, for a couple of years yeah. in high school. Um with uh, kind of a family friend who was a builder or a contractor, general contractor. And uh, so I kind of got some, maybe at the same time I was learning computers, was kind of learning how to be handy, so to speak. So that's awesome. Construction's probably an exaggerated, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun yeah. watching the stuff that you post up on Twitter when you're, you know, when you've been doing your building. You and Jesse Shutt. Um, saying he built his yes his log cabin in the woods oh yeah as oh my study which is incredible like and he's got a whole YouTube channel with like all of the stuff that he's working on and just the intricacy and and like all of the joins and all of the like woodworking right. is cool but I don't have the time the patience the room the tools yeah. the money to spend on it absolutely yeah Jesse's stuff's like really extravagant I've actually kind of made a Sunday morning lately reading his blog posts and kind of looking at the pictures of his woodworking projects. And every now and then I'll tease him on Twitter, like, I want to pair with you. And I'm secretly, yeah. I'm secretly oh, yeah, talking about that. woodworking. 
Right, right. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. Hey, here's the thing, Michael. You said like you don't have the time and the money. Like Jesse has more kids than all of us put yeah. together, guaranteed. Like I think he's, you know, it's so it's yeah, so funny. and he's built a cabin he, in the woods the in the middle of nowhere to be away from all of them. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Anyway, hey, weird transition, I know, but we are super excited to have Jason on today. Uh, Jason, I think you've been on the show before, so this is not your first time. Uh, Our listeners will likely be familiar with you. Jason uh, is a large member of the Laravel community, which we obviously talk much about. Uh, He's got some really cool projects that both of us have taken advantage of and wanted to have uh, Jason on the show to kind of talk about what he's been up to lately and... um, uh, me and Jason actually were working together recently on a on a project, so it kind of came up some of the cool stuff he's working on, and wanted to be able to let everybody get a chance to hear you on air. So, Jason, for those who might not know you, could you give us a kind of a quick intro where you're from, what you do, all the all the rundown? Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, I am Jason McCreary, but again, the audience probably knows me mostly as J Mac. Uh, it tends to be a nickname I've stuck on to uh, probably since high school, but. I tend to have like a bunch of other Jasons that I work with. And uh, so I just kind of have kept the nickname. Uh, It's turned into some nice branding now, which is fun. Um, It's always good to kind of be known as something. So, but yeah, I've been a developer, uh, gosh, for 20 years now, almost. And uh, just jumped around so many teams, so many parts of the, you know, United States, I guess. Um, And just really a lot of different languages and so forth. But PHP has always kind of been the bread and butter for me. It's always been either somehow what I go back to or what I use on my own personal projects. So I've seen frameworks evolve, come and go. Um, and so lately, uh, the last several years, you know, I've kind of been using Laravel as the framework and, and kind of worked my way into that community as well. That's awesome. Yeah, we. Uh, well, I think one of the things that I knew you first off for, one of the so the sort of the largest projects I feel like you're you're known for in the community is Laravel Shift. So uh, maybe you could just describe for us what Laravel Shift is, what that does, and kind of uh, kind of where the where the future lies for that. I'm interested in hearing some of that and kind of launching into that. There's another some really interesting things going on right now with Laravel Shift and uh, some ideas that you have and some things that you're working on with it. Yeah. So Shift is a automated upgrade service. It's kind of one of my first SaaS products, if you will. Uh, but basically, you go log in with uh, GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLab. Uh, you you know point at your repository, your branch uh, that's maybe running an older version of Laravel. You choose the particular shift of the version you want to go to. So let's say you've got an old Laravel 5.5, you know, LTS app running, and you want to go on and get it up to 5.8 so you can take advantage of the latest features. You would go in, pick up the 5.6 shift. You're going to get a pull request with bunch of automated atomic commits where all the kind of everything in the upgrade guide and and beyond is kind of automated for you and then the things that it can't reliably automate it's going to kind of give you uh, comments on that pull request and kind of guide you in a very customized way of like hey in this file you have these method signatures that you might want to take a look at kind of thing and uh, when you're done you merge it and uh, you you know move on to the next shift keep shifting yeah yeah, absolutely. I know that I, uh, at one point at least, was on the leaderboard for Laravel <laughs> shifting. I don't know if I'm still up there anymore. Michael, have you? I, I believe you guys have had a chance to use this service, haven't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I use it for my freelance stuff. I've got one client that has three different like award ceremonies, but they run on alternating years. 
so I, I just this morning actually finished upgrading an app from 5.1 to 5.8. And I just go in there and I pay, 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 pay. And I get all the merge requests come through. <laughs> and uh, some of the code, you know, as we've gone through, like even just the the five dot release of Laravel, things have changed, not insignificantly, but shift sort of like points all these things out. Like this thing has changed or a lot of it, it does automatically. Um, one of the things that always gets me is like the config files. And earlier on, we would I would go in and I would like change the the um, the app file, the config app file and things like that. Whereas now it's the mentality is more around like creating a separate config file for your application so that shift can go through and just like blow those things up with the next versions changes. So, um, good man. Yeah. It, it certainly saves me Ooh, so much time, so much time just doing that. But yeah, it gives you little hints. It's not just the, the changes that it does for you, but it's the little hints on how to like make it less painful in future as well, which I really like. I want to hear about the strategy that you have and that you guys are kind of talking about with these configs. So I I recognize what you're saying, which is like, you know, don't mess with the Laravel configs, kind of create your own. Is that what you're saying? So like, can you give mm-hmm. me an example of like what that, what you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, you've got the config app.php file, which has got things like your application name, your locales, your time zones, all that kind of stuff. Um, the sure. general consensus at least from the perspective of shift is to make automation of updating those config files as simple as possible. If you had say a, a CRM, you would create a config crm.php and put all of your specific stuff in there. So where we would have like billing contacts, instead of putting them in the app file, we would put them in the crm.php config. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it gets a little bit tricky because not everything in that app file has a corresponding env like time zone for example is hard coded in there as utc and for the longest time all of our stuff was in um adelaide australia so we would set it in there but then that makes you know there may be nothing that changes or something very minute that changes in there and so that makes shift's job difficult which makes my job then you know manual because i have to go in there and figure out like what's changed so we pull out all of the custom stuff into our own config file now but I just wish that like every single config value, and I've mentioned this to Taylor, which every single config value in every single one of those config files had a corresponding environment variable with the defaults that are there currently. And that way, if you want to override them, you can do that in your environment file without having to change the the app, you know, the config files themselves. So maybe one day we'll see yeah. that. Yeah, because that is like kind of like one of the things that uh, Shift really has to account for, right, Jason? It's like you can't just blow it away if there's anything custom in there at all. If it's not what it was in the previous version, you kind of have to say like, hey, by the way, something changed here that you're going to have to look at and mess with yourself, right? Shift can't just, you know, do anything with it really. Yeah, I mean, Michael's spot on. You know, there's actually some videos um, that are kind of they've been buried. I've, I've since put them in the footer, but they, they talk about like shifting like a pro, so to speak. And that's one of kind of the pro tips because one of the things I mentioned in my talk at Laracon last year, the Laravel by the numbers was that the most changed files in an upgrade are the config files. And the unfortunate thing to your point is that because of these customizations, it's a very dangerous game to play to try to manipulate those. And, yeah. and sometimes I do when it's a very key value, I'll at least, or sorry, a very like um, specific upgraded thing that's almost a breaking change, if you will. Like 
I will make an effort to kind of try to search and find and, and at least say, hey, I, I at least put this in there. So for example, 5.8 um, got rid of, or well, deprecated the string and array helpers. But what they did to kind of hint towards the future was they auto-loaded those facades in, or they aliased those facades in your app config. So things like that I'll try to do because it helps facilitate for the future. But yeah, like, you know, if they add some new special key, like I'm not going to blow away your app key. That's that's very dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. There are there, there are some packages. Like if if there was a key, for example, that didn't exist in that config file, is it something that you could like pull out the array, add to it, and then write the file back fairly easily? Yeah, I'm actually once... The thing for me is shift is always a game, uh, you know, it's a race against time because every six months you have this release cycle and then now you're starting to have almost every week a patch release, you know, Mm. cycle, um, which sometimes to your point has things not necessarily breaking per se, but there's some interesting stuff coming out in those patch releases that like as someone who's running shift, this upgrade service, I need to stay on top of. So Mm. Time, the, the point is time's pretty valuable. So it's been top of my list to try to do something more with the configs. But at the same time, interestingly enough, even though like the 80-20 rule would tell me go focus on the configs, I'm not getting a lot of people that kind of complain about mm. having to upgrade sure. those. And I can mitigate those with things like the videos where I point people to like these practices of like, hey, make this your own custom config file. That way you don't have to worry about most mm-hmm. of these other ones. It's on the list. I've toyed with like visual diffs, like some kind of private diff that I can say, okay, here's yours and here's theirs. But again, we're dealing with config files that potentially have yeah. sensitive data. I don't want to rub a developer wrong. You know, we're very territorial and picky yeah. and security aware. So like, even if I make this secure diff, it's kind of like, eh, someone might not like yeah. seeing yeah. that file out there, you know? So I've thought of different things is the yeah. point, but haven't landed on just right yet. Dynamic analysis is one of them that I've thought of, though. Yeah. But people can throw very interesting helper methods in there. So now I'm almost having to totally. load your whole application. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that I've learned over time in using Shift and even in just upgrading Laravel versions in general, um, I think one of our younger developers, when he had first come on the team, was looking to upgrade one of our applications. And he kind of, I don't, I won't say he made the mistake because I don't, I think some people do this with good success, but what they try to do is kind of um, look at our, con- look at the new Laravel config and kind of push the values in from the new config, like kind of copy paste them into our config, right? And I feel like every time you do that, you re- run this risk of like missing that one key that's critical. Like for example, Q driver becomes Q connection, mm-hmm. right? And you miss that one thing and now everything goes to sync, until you figure out, oh my gosh, like, you know, we're trying to send 20 emails and this person clicks this button as they're clicking the button three times or something crazy, right? So what we've always kind of done since that point is we said like, okay, we take the Laravel, the new Laravel version of q.php, the config, we paste that in and then we look at our version next to it and take anything that was custom and move it into that. So we know for sure we have the real version that's the new version, right? And then any customizations that we made, we will kind of paste back into it as opposed to saying, let's take the new Laravel version and paste its values that are different than ours back into our config. And I found that has worked very well for us uh, in updating those config values. I know that doesn't really 
necessarily help you in this situation, Jason, as far as like, how do you handle this? But no, um, that's, that's, yeah, that uh, seemed to work really well for us. No, that's, that's honestly when I'm doing, um, human services where like someone will say, Hey, you know, do the upgrade for me. You know, your, your experience with this, I don't want to dedicate resources from my team to learn old Laravel versions. Just get me on five, eight. So they'll yeah. have me do it. And that's something you and I have actually paired on before. But anyways, that's exactly how I do it. I'll default right away. I just go in and blow their um, config files away in, a, in an atomic commit that says defaulting config files. And then basically when I'm on the latest version, I know that shift now is going to automate the upgrade to those all the way up. I don't have to worry about any conflicts because they're defaulted. And then I just do the same thing you do, which is at the end, go back and reference that atomic commit with the new Laravel version and just pull over customizations. Yeah. And that's, um, it's much so faster. I, I, we could talk. Yeah, absolutely. And we can talk about that a little bit too. So it's, you have Laravel shift, which is like the SAS app that you do, but kind of along with this, you also have uh, shifty coders, I think, which is kind of like a group of people that can, it's like a support group for other Laravel developers, <laughs> yeah, right? Support and then group. That's <laughs> right. It's like AA for developers. Yeah. Developer like, anonymous. You, yeah, exactly. You show up and you say, it's been this long since I've used a global helper method. Yeah. Um, or whatever, whatever, you know, that's right. Um, but then you have uh, human services, which essentially is, is, is what you said, where you say, you know, I am, I have done this a million times. I've gotten really good at being able to upgrade Laravel applications. And if you don't want to do it yourself and you'd rather trust someone else who's done it a lot of times, you know, pay me a very reasonable in my, in my consideration estimation, what is a very reasonable cost, uh, to have you do it for us. So, you know, I think recently you got us from 5.1 to 5.7, I think it was. So that's that was quite a few versions mm. up. Yeah. So that was that was like really helpful for me. That was like a super easy spend. It was like, oh yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Like I've got a lot of other things that only I can do. Right. That's like one of these. That's like one of these ideas. Like the more time you're in, the more time that you can be doing things that only you can do, the more effective you're going to be. Like mm-hmm. if there's something that you can have somebody else do, that you know that is not uniquely that you're not uniquely equipped to do. Uh, that's, that's going to be a huge win for you and for your team. Right. So how's that been going for you? Do you have a lot of people take advantage of that human services or is that sort of like an unknown factor or an unknown service that you offer? It, it can be feast or famine. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's unknown cause it, it is kind of mentioned as quote unquote support in the PR. So it's like, Hey, if you get this PR and you just, are just lost and you're totally stuck like check out shifty coders or check out human services and and we'll get you going again kind of thing so it, it it's not on the home page per se like it's not my primary cell but it's in there and there will be times where it is funny it does seem to be feast or famine there's definitely seasonality in upgrading laravel apps so for example january is a big one it's a new year let's get on let's get on the latest laravel version yeah so that yeah. one's funny and then a lot of times after Laracon, there'll be a bunch because either someone came and talked to me or some team leads there and they they see the value, you know, as you mentioned. And just to kind of yeah. drive home, pricing is always hard. And I, I do try to make shift com- completely reasonable as far as pricing. Honestly, I, I mean, I, it's, it's pennies for what you're getting, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think I'm the only one with that opinion. But the, the human services, they do have a larger price tag on them, but they include the cost of the shift. So like if you're on five one, I mean, you're going to pay almost a hundred bucks getting up to five, eight anyways, which again, sounds like a lot, but 
you know, you're nine versions behind. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and depending on like how much you adhere to the the flavor of the time, like the, the way that we wrote 5.1 apps is very different to the way that we typically write, you know, 5.7 or 5.8 apps. So, it, you know, you say it's a hundred bucks, but if it's like, and this client of mine, I could charge a hundred bucks and and get all of that stuff done in like a couple of hours because Shift handles most of it. Or I could charge the client, you know, I, and this comes down to like your personal ethics, right? You may think, oh, it's $100. I can't justify that. So I'll just do it myself. But then you end up spending five, 10 hours doing it. And then yeah. is the client going to pay for that? It was working just fine. Why would I have paid you for 10 hours to do all of that ancillary stuff when I want you to do like build this new functionality or add these, you know, new features or fix bugs and things like that? Like it, I, I get that for some uh, countries because of pricing parity and all that kind of stuff, $10 to them is different to $10 to me. Like for me, that's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're charging your customers like a hundred dollars to do some work, I, yeah, it, I mean, it, it comes down to where you are, but I think it, for most of us, it, it makes, it doesn't make sense not to. Yeah, I think it's enough of a value add that even if you weren't comfortable passing through that cost somehow, and some multiple of that cost, even in my opinion, you should pass through. But even if you weren't comfortable, you're still providing more value to your client by delivering features and not charging them 10 hours to upgrade an app. Yeah. And, and the really interesting thing, just to go down this road a little farther with Shift, is that it's been a very interesting crusade if you will to convince developers to value their time like when i do get these emails of like why you charge for this it should be free laravel's free and php's free and blah blah is free it's like but your time's not free and it yeah. or, nor should it be like yeah yeah and I, I feel bad for these developers that you know it's it's maybe one in a hundred but they'll email me and they'll just be like oh i just your thing didn't work and it should have worked right out of the box for, you know, charging for it. And I'm just going to upgrade it myself. And it's like, well, how much time did yeah. you put into that, man? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough when I see that because I, obviously I want it to work. I'm, I'm prideful of the, of the product and I believe in the product and its value, but it is funny because you'll still get developers, especially in the PHP community, the open, the open source community, just thinking, Oh, I can hack that together in 15 minutes. And it's kind of like, no, you mm. can't. Sorry. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. And this is the thing I don't understand. It's, and it, it, I mean, it, I know it's definitely in our circles in PHP, but like if you, if you go to get a, an electrician to come and do some work or a plumber or, you know, someone to come and build some extension to your house, like they tell you how much it costs and you might go get three quotes, whatever, but that's how much it costs. And you're not paying for the fact that they're only spending three hours or five hours or a day. You're paying for the all of the time and all of the experience and learning that they've got to get to the point where it only takes them a day to do that work. And like, yes, you are now getting residuals from the shift as a service, but the fact of the matter is it's saving people like me and Jake and, and countless others in the community so much of our time that we can, like, we can charge, you know, we could charge $500 for that. We don't... You know, it's up to you and how you, how your clients are and things like that. You don't even have to tell them. You just factor it into the cost. Oh, you've got an yeah. old app. We're just going to upgrade it because it makes more sense for us as developers to be on the latest version because we've got access to the latest features, the latest security fixes. And it means that, uh, you know, 
you can just get on with doing what they've actually asked you to do in a in a in such a way that it's transparent that you've even upgraded the application because that's going to make your life easier as a developer to make those changes in future yeah it's like this argument of like value-based pricing right so we had uh we had our air conditioning go out last year on like the hottest day of the summer i swear it was like a friday night we was we started to like wind down for the night we had just had like a party and one of the doors had gotten left open and like the ac was just running all day so we went to go to bed and the ac was not working so the next day had to call a uh you know, a, like a HVAC guy to come out and come take a look at the system. And it was like, you know, 200 bucks. Like it literally took him, I think about 15 minutes. Right. Oh yeah. But that was the best $200 I spent all summer. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'd pay it again gladly to get yeah. my AC back on. Like the next day, the next morning at nine o'clock in the morning, totally worth it. Like yeah. 15 minutes. Don't care. Like you come fix that thing. And that's totally fine with me. Right. And the part, it's funny because the part that he replaced was literally a $7 part, $7 yeah. part in 15 minutes. Dude made off like a bandit. Right. Yeah. It was like, I, you know, it was totally worth it. The value that I received out of that was absolutely well worth the $200. Yeah. And that's sort of the same thing with like developers. I think at some point people who've been doing it long enough, get to the, get to the spot where they, they can legitimately in their head, like justify, like, listen, I'm providing this much value to the client and they don't necessarily feel this need to justify like, Hey, it only took me 45 minutes to do that, but this is how much it costs because it literally is worth it to you. Like it's going to give you so much value that it's worth this much money. Right. So, uh, and I even think of <sighs> number one, like in our community, just in general, it's incredible. The number of free resources that you get really, like if you were watched Laracon online, the number of packages and resources and courses and everything that's available out there for free is unbelievable. So that's why like it makes zero sense to me at all when on the rare occasion, practically I say rare, like there's an actual charge for course or whatever, like that there's any complaint at yeah. all. Like it makes zero sense to me at all. So, you know, like I feel like we as a whole, like the Laravel community should be rushing to support these people who are creating yeah. these paid for applications because they, they, you know, the vast majority of the time, these are people who are very involved in giving away half their stuff anyway. You know, we, we get all of the free stuff because of the, of the paid stuff that they do. Like the paid stuff allows these people to, to spend their time to bring us all of the free things as well. If it wasn't for things like, um, for example, Adam, Adam Wyland, if it wasn't for his refactoring, refactoring to collections book and his, uh, the, the test driven Laravel course and, and the refactoring UI stuff, um, that he did with Steve Shogo, we wouldn't have things like Tailwind and we wouldn't have things like all of these screencasts that, that Steve puts out and all of the design tips that we get for free that really make us better designers as developers. Like these are targeted things that we get on Twitter for free on GitHub for free because we support these folks um, in in building their paid products. And the, and the paid products are not just like junk that they've thrown together one week. And they're things that they spend weeks or even months on refining and, mm-hmm. and making sure that they're, you know, they're premium content and premium courses Correct. and premium books. Um, and, and then they ask for, you know, 50 bucks and people balk at it. I, I just don't understand why. I mean... $50, as I said, you know, $10 is a lot for some people. $50 is a lot for others. If you can't afford it, like reach out to these people. They're in 
positions, uh, and not to speak for all of them, but generally speaking, they're in a position where they can offer you a discount to, you know, to make that that product um, attainable in whatever financial situation you're in, whether that be because of conversion or, or, or whatever, you know, and, and I mean, Adam just did this t-shirt thing where he's a hundred percent going to lose money because I paid him $35 for that t-shirt and stickers and it's going to cost him at least $35 <laughs> to ship that stupid thing to me. Just so to ship it. Yeah. And like he did that fully knowing that he was going to lose money in, in getting all that stuff done. But you know, we, we get all of this stuff in exchange for, you know, for paying like, Spassi, for example, all of their stuff is free, right? All of those packages, they're free. But we support Freik. We've got, uh, he's got ODM. Marcel's got Botman. We've got um, Dries, who's been running the uh, Laravel IO for years and years and years, is is now working for Laravel. Like, we, we've got to support each other because if you support, you know, yeah. if we support those people, they support us. It, and then that helps us then go and work with new clients, better clients, bigger clients, better paying clients because of the stuff that we've learned from these people. And that like the cycle goes round and round. We help each other out in order to help ourselves out, in order to help our clients out. So Yeah. All that to say too, uh, you know, Laravel Shift as well as human services are both huge value add where you're going to be paying small amounts for for a ton yeah. of value. So I have an I have an expense account now at work. So I I will expense my Laravel shifts going forward. But for the last year and a half, like I've just paid for it out of my own pocket because it, it makes more sense for me to not waste time on that stuff just to upgrade to the latest version of Laravel. Yeah, it's always funny to wake up in the morning and see like Michael, Michael, <laughs> Michael, 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 Stripe payment, Michael, Michael, because <laughs> you know, our time change is like your day is my night. So it's funny. But I do want to point out, though, to, to kind of that, that free bit, totally agree with everything you said. And, uh, you know, Shift does have some free shifts that are available uh, to you to, to kind of do certain things. Uh, for example, Laravel Analyzer, you know, just kind of goes in, takes a look at your projects, makes some nice, helpful recommendations, especially if you're new to Laravel, these things are going to potentially help you, you know, they're designed to help you kind of level up your skills and point to all sorts of different things that are listed in the docs or things that were great talks at Laracon, for example, Adam Wathen's Cruddy by Design. You don't have to adopt these things, but it's going to go in and it's going to analyze your code base and kind of tell you these things. And I made that free because, you know, all that information is free out there. And so I do agree with most people in that case, this should be free as well. And, and it is. Plus, I enjoy those kind of analysis shifts. It's an area I'm kind of moving into. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that a little bit more because I'm I'm interested in that. And I'm sort of, I haven't used any of those, I don't think. I'm not sure that I've used many of them anyway. I think we've we've maybe used one where it was like uh, namespacing or something like that. There was like a namespacing mm-hmm. one. But uh, it's funny, like you talk about the time difference for, for Michael or whatever. So very typically, like I'm not amazed by this at all, right? So we're having this Google Hangout and no big deal, whatever. Like we're all on different parts of the world and can communicate, you know, instantaneously, which is pretty cool. But I was struck by this in a very odd way. Last night I was up at like 2.30 watching this movie for some reason because that's, God knows, it's the only time I have. (laughs) (laughs) It's early morning hours like that, right? But I woke up my wife and she's like, hey, did you do that podcast tonight? I was like, no, 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 it's tomorrow. She's like, I'm pretty sure that was tonight. I think you had it on your calendar for tonight. And I was like, oh no. So I very quickly, like I'm like, crap. So I jumped out of bed real quick, went over, grabbed my phone, 2.30 in the morning, right? 2.30 (laughs) a.m. I like telegram Michael, hey dude, was our podcast tonight? 
And I see immediately like Michael typing and within like about three seconds, he says, nope, tomorrow night. That blew my mind. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. It's 2.30 a.m. I just texted dude on the other side of the world and I got a response, like a text response within like probably five seconds. Like that has never been true in the course of human history ever. We've yeah. never <laughs> been able to do that. Like yeah. how I can text a guy in Australia and get a message back within five seconds to get the exact information I need. It's just so mind-blowing and i'm sure that's like so silly for everybody who's listening to hear that but i don't know why it was such like an epiphany to me but it's just and wild. telegram is free it. telegram is free i know <laughs> it's free it's freaking free how does this happen oh what a time what a time we live in okay <laughs> i'm done being an old man now <laughs> no it's good it's good to appreciate those things i had it an example but i i, I lost it in the process of listening it happens to me too though is the- yeah. yeah yeah that's funny so um so tell me about some of these some of these different shifts that you have and i know that you kind of have some um uh, like you have plans moving forward or have had plans moving forward in the past of like allowing people to almost even create some of their own shifts or something like that. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that and kind of like, you know, what's going on with that or, or some of these other shifts that you were just talking about that are maybe not uh Laravel upgrade shifts, but some of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So the core of shift is definitely the upgrade between the quote unquote major versions of the framework and, and Laravel while there are other, PHP shifts and so forth. Laravel is, again, definitely the bulk of that business. But over that time, and, and kind of also to talk about my own development habits, I, I've never been afraid to kind of launch these these kind of tiny piloted test versions of things. And so there are a lot of offshoots of Shift um, that, you know, maybe some of them worked, maybe some of them are neutral, if you will, and some were kind of total losers. <laughs> um, so just to name a few of those things, like, you know, obviously the PHP shifts, I thought, okay, well, Laravel, these are doing great, so let's move on to PHP. And I really got a lot of backlash, like we were talking about earlier, of like, oh, well, PHP's free, these should be free. So not many people picked those up. And I, I've kept a few of them out there, like the MySQL, like the original uh, MySQL yeah, yeah, yeah. underscore functions to MySQL I. There is a shift for that just to kind of, you know, that did get some traction for those really old code bases, but the version shifts for PHP were just never very popular. Similarly, the Lumen shifts were never very popular. Um, so I kind of let those go. The package shifts, I thought, okay, well, authors will be a really good audience. And I let those kind of fall off. And um, and then I thought, okay, well, I'll let I'll let developers make their own shifts. And so that was going to be the shift developer platform, kind of like the app store. You could come sure. in and make your own shift for whatever, and you could sell it, and we'll kind of do this profit share, or free is always free, right? And um, the logistics for setting up, like the sandboxing and the testing yeah, yeah. and all of that, and, and even just the distribution of that cash uh, was just like... How am I going to solve this? <laughs> yeah. So I kind of backed off that. and um, But I had a bunch of people that were, well, not a bunch, but I had maybe a dozen people that were interested. And that actually turned into shifty coders. So then I thought, okay, well, this is cool. We already have all these people in Slack and we're always talking Laravel. But at the same time, in a way, we're kind of like these tech support resources or genius bar kind of thing. So I opened that up and then people would pick that up every now and then. So that was kind of another revenue stream. There was always this audience, though, that was like, oh, well, we've got an NDA or privacy policy or we work for certain clients and we can't we can't do this. We can't do shift. And there weren't that many, but there were enough. And so then I made a shift for Docker. So there's Dockerized versions of all the really? shifts so you can run them locally. Yeah. Again, very. it's just down in the footer. I don't push it a whole lot, but there's slightly at a... 
here it is. Yeah, yeah. they're slightly at a premium, um, just because there's a little bit more trust. There's a little bit more enterprisey stuff going on there. Uh, but it's all the same shift, basically. There's just some some added support, you know, to get it all running with Docker and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I've not seen that before. That's that's a that's a really cool idea because, right the the premise is sort of that in order for anything, in order for your program to be able to shift to somebody's application, you need to be able to read their code, right? I yeah. mean, that's that's the deal, right? So, have if, to be able to scan the code base. Correct. And if people aren't comfortable with you being able to do a read of their entire repo, then you can't use shift. So that's just kind of this. That's just kind of the contract. Like there's this inherent trust that's just got to be there. So this is the this is also true with any like uh, CI tools that you're going to use on GitHub, right? So like if you're going to use Style exactly. CI, if you're going to use Travis or whatever, they have to be able to obviously download a copy of your code and run something on it. So I think most of these. I, I don't know, like, have you ever had anybody say like, hey, you have to sign an NDA before we can use you? Or like, is that essentially what you're talking about with like these Docker ones? Like, and you basically have said, no, nah, I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to make another whole platform to do that. Yeah, NDAs are always kind of silly. I, I think I just tweeted about this the other day, but it's just, I don't know. I've just always found them silly unless you're like this super cap company or or like inventing, you know, the next like solar array in space like i just <laughs> right. i just right. don't feel like it's kind of like hey you want to do some work with us here's an nda it's just like what come on so anyways uh yes is the, is the long story short people do ask that and I, i'm glad to do it if it's all kind of a smooth process but once you start jumping through hoops for nine dollars on an nda it's just kind of like <laughs> not gonna do that exactly so. if you if you've had to answer more than like one email that took <laughs> exactly. more than like 10 seconds you've lost money on this transaction yeah i mean again it goes back to valuing your time like it's just i mean i hate to be that way but it's it, yeah if you're gonna make me go back and forth and fill out a word document like it's just not worth my time absolutely for $9. correct for nine bucks yeah it's just not gonna happen which makes sense the pricing on these other docker ones because i'm sure there is some like you said like more involvement and kind of hand holding and how you get it mm -hmm. set up or whatever so yeah that makes it makes a lot more sense there's more support there like there you know because docker comes with its own the nice thing about the github and the bitbucket and the and the gitlab integrations is not only they are are they on trend with other similar services so people are used to this flow but it also just makes it completely automated and seamless like you don't have to reach out to me you don't have to talk to me in fact short of the stripe email i don't even know that you shifted like i never saw the code never saw anything it's all just on a little virtual server and then gone after the 29 seconds it takes to run you know sure yeah yeah Yep. So well, cool. There's uh, there's actually one other project we use that I'd love to get into. Uh, but I would sure. be interested in asking Michael if you have any. Uh, do you have any other things kind of related to Shift or anything around that that you were interested in talking to Jason about? No, I'm I'm looking forward to the Shift RC stuff because I really don't want to use those. You know, Michael's big enough. Requests. I want I want my global <laughs> helpers. I want my global namespace polluted. Yep. Michael's been uh he's kind of he's always trolling me when I put the opinionated shifts out there so yeah kind of I don't know if I answered that but going back there are the upgrade shifts and there are the micro shifts which are like these kind of one-off shifts that you can do so for example there's that analyzer there's like migrating your models to a sub namespace if you want and most of those are free but a couple of them are paid like the fixer and it does more dynamic analysis but it's also a little opinionated in line, I think, with the community, but nonetheless opinionated. And people have varying opinions, of course, <laughs> such as Michael. Uh, so I've promised for a while now to make a .rc file where you can configure shift and tell it, 
hey, do this opinionated thing, but not this opinionated thing, or be opinionated in this way. And so I'm really looking forward to building that out because I think the fixer has this opportunity to really take, you know, because a lot of times we sh- we switch between Laravel projects or maybe we inherit a Laravel project. Mm-hmm. And I think this fixer, there's this nice, again, area that I'm very interested in trying out to like be able to run this and it just does kind of all these things almost to a point maybe ultimately in a few months or maybe around LayerCon, I can be at a place where the fixer is like added maybe into some kind of style CI type thing. Like it's in yeah. a web hook and it's just yeah. like, I'm writing code. I'm not worried about it. If it's super consistent, maybe I use a global helper here. Maybe I use the request injected object here, mm-hmm. but I know that the fixers going to clean that up when maybe four yeah. or five devs were working on something and, and weren't consistent. Yeah. And that's particularly useful in teams. Um, just like, yeah. We, we all have our own opinions, but as long as you can sit down and go like, this is how we want our unified code to look, getting something like shift into a, um, you know, into a, the, the CI process means that like, we'll just push the code up. It will handle like changing those request facades into request helper methods and, and things like that. And that way you don't have to worry about it so much. And it makes the code review um, that much easier because you don't have to sit there and go, totally. you know, you, this is maybe how you like to write your code outside of work, but at work we're doing it like this um, and we've all decided that that's the case and go, oh, you know, whoops, you know, it slipped my mind. I just happened to write it that way. You don't have to, like those kind of um, minuscule things, I really hate being the one that has to point out in totally. code review. So yeah. it'd be nice to not have It's like have microaggressions, right? Yeah. And yeah. like my team is always complaining that Style CI has like changed their code and cause, because you push it up, it changes it, and then they go to push the next lot of changes, and they can't because, like, the, the version that's in GitLab has changed, so they have to pull the code down and then push it up again. Yeah. So they're always oh, – several times today someone's cursing my name. Yeah, someone's cursing my name. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I actually um, – I haven't taken – I haven't seen that Laravel fix. I do remember seeing it, actually. I'm sorry. I haven't taken advantage of it yet. Um, but, uh, no, that would certainly be – Super helpful. Style CI yeah. has been great for us in that way, and you know, particularly um, for some of the code formatting stuff. But it obviously oh, yeah. doesn't do what Lin- what this Laravel fixer does, which is essentially yeah. codify for you. Hey, this is how you handle. You know exactly what you said. There's a perfect example, like requests. Like, do you use the you know method injected request object, or do you use the helper, or do you use you know, facade. The, the facade, right. Which one do you use and when, and is there ever any exceptions or whatever, right? So that's a perfect example of it. And it's hard too, because like Michael, like you said, uh, it it does feel, you feel sucky, like having to point that out to somebody to be mm. like, because that's one of those things is it's just like, hey, your code's great. This is one thing that you need to change. And it's like, after a while, they're like, come on. I mean, like, can you seriously not just like push the code for one time? Just yeah. let it go, right? And it's like, you feel like, no, like it should just be consistent. And I, should, I'm sorry yeah. that you forgot, but you hate to have to be that person to do yeah. that. Yeah. So if you could have a tool do it instead, yeah, that'd be better. It goes back to time as well. Like it's ideally as developers, you know, you'd want to be talking more about the feature that you're building instead of having to get into the nitty gritty of like wasting time talking about, oh, make this free. And you want to do it because consistency is important and, and, and kind of team coding, you know, code think together yeah. is important, but it's just kind of like, yeah, you'd rather be talking about something else. So again, if shift can kind of swoop in there and add this value, that's where I'm heading with the fixer. I mean, right now it's probably 30% of what I want it mm-hmm. to be, but 
it still does some cool things and it's it's forcing me to build these other things that I've been wanting to build yeah. for a while, mainly because Michael trolls me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. When we were, uh, and this kind of <clears throat> takes us to where I'm at next, which is base code, which I want to talk about. But the, so we've recently brought on Wilbur Powery, who is uh, another Laravel community member. So he, mm-hmm. he uh, works on our team now. And one of the things that's been really cool is being able to just say, like, look at his pull requests and be like, literally, that looks like Laravel documentation. Like, that's what it looks like. Like, I can just, I know exactly what it is going to be. I know exactly what it does. It uses all of the same things that I'm used to seeing. And it's just nice, right? Like when you have that, when you do have that consistency and you're mm-hmm. able to just be like, oh, I know, I know exactly what to expect here. I know exactly what's going on. He's using like the validator exactly as it's meant to be used, not like some silly craziness that, you know, that, uh, you know, or like you have something that has like eight rules in the controller. It's like he, exp- he extracted it to a form request. Totally. Like that makes sense, right? So uh, there's so much value to just having people who, no kind of, Hey, these are the rules. These are established ways that we do things. And just, you know, that's what you can always expect. There's just so much value to that. We can talk about, I think we can talk about base code quick here. So, so, and and you can tell me, Jason. So Michael and I have both kind of transitioned over the last probably year and a half, two years into kind of being like, uh, more like leads in our teams. So we are still people who write the code, of course, but, uh, we've both kind of transitioned to a point where a lot of uh, our days is, is spent, uh, making sure that code is consistent and, good and you know we're kind of the final check before you push the button to merge into production right and um it, one of the things that i've struggled with as a as a lead is taking the time to really say here are the standards here are the things that we always do because i just like i hate that part of the job i just want to like write the code yeah. right but i feel like base code in some ways helps to mm, alleviate some of that problem maybe you could talk to us about what base code is and kind of just give us a quick yeah. preview maybe maybe we have you on some other time to talk about it kind of in depth but uh, what is base code what's kind of the goal and and uh, what is that project all about sure yeah and i mean we could probably get get through it pretty quick and then point people of course to the to the actual uh, ebook <laughs> but yeah that's exactly what base code is um it, it's basically i call it a field guide because i wanted it to be a little more approachable and, and also not have like the, the weight of a book. Like it's not that long. It's designed to be short, no fluff. And it contains 10 immediately actionable practices to kind of help improve your code from a readability standpoint. Because I think when you code for longer, the other things that maybe you valued at an earlier stage of coding or programming start to fall apart a little bit. And the main things that remain are things like readability and code being able to be approachable, code communicating. Like you said, when you just look at something and it kind of just feels natural, right? It feels like something you've seen before, even though you've never looked at that, you know, 12 lines of code. And so I really spent some time, almost about a year, and again, I've been programming for 20 years, but I mean, I spent about a year and even pushing these on Twitter with little tips, kind of Steve Schroger style, and they did really well. And I kind of collected all of those up into originally 12 practices, and I distilled it down to 10 because there was some overlap. And so again, there's 10 practices in this field guide, um, everything from just simple stuff, kind of starting out like formatting and and uh, nested code, how to deal with like these very basic structures of code, and then moving all the way up into kind of 
the artistic, if you will, kind of the crafty parts of code, like symmetry and the rule of three, uh, stuff of that nature. Yeah. And so, um, that's, it's interesting to hear you talk about it that way. When you talk about readability, I haven't, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard basically, and maybe I just haven't read the, uh, kind of the pitch for it on, on the site. Cause as I'm listening to you, I, I can like, I'm like reading this, but it all makes, and it, and it all makes good sense. But yeah, I think that is one of the large challenges that I have kind of as like one of the leads on the team is how do I encourage that? How do I teach that? And so I feel like base code is a, is a good first step. Uh, I've gotten some of like the sample chapters and those sorts of things. I haven't made the commitment to kind of go all in on it and, and go through sure. it with my team yet. But it's something. It's like one well, of you probably things. saw the talk at Laracon um, online. So I mean that I did. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and by the way, that was one of, I mean, probably top two. One of my favorite talks at Laracon online. It was so actionable and immediately you know, immediate takeaways. I was able to say like, oh yeah, that's really good. And it was funny, like me and the other guys who are on my team were sitting in the room and just kind of looking at each other like, oh yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Like we, like we just finished a project where we totally did that. That is not the way to do that. Right. And so, uh, no, that was an excellent, excellent talk. So is a lot of that talk kind of born out of what you learned when you were making base code? Yeah, those were the exact 10 practices. So, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. If you want to spend 25 or whatever it is and get all the videos from Alericon, including that one, instead of 29 for the field guide itself, then go for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'll get a yeah. lot more videos. So again, not not trying to pitch uh, the book per se, but yeah, the book obviously goes into much more detail, lots more code samples than what I could get through in 50 minutes. <laughs> so, sure. um, and you know, really just kind of iterates over those points with closing examples of like larger code blocks. So again, it, it really compounds on itself and it's something you could get through honestly, probably in a weekend. I mean, if that, mm. so it's, it's very approachable. Michael, how would you say it's um, like in your developer journey, right? Like you are probably far more of like a type A sort of person than I am. Like, for example, this podcast would not exist if it wasn't for Mr. Dorinda kicking my butt every week <laughs> to actually do this thing. Um, so I'm assuming and maybe rightfully, maybe not that you probably have some code practice and things like that kind of like codified and, and written down somewhere and and uh, what's that? What's that been like for you? How does that work? And where do you guys store that stuff at? Uh, yeah, so we, we do have a style guide. Oh, I have a style guide that I follow for my projects, which we kind of uh, adopted at work, just because they were already written and they largely adopt, you know, accepted practices within Laravel. So there's nothing scary there, or nothing that you'd look at and go, "Why the heck would you do that kind of thing?" And 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 a lot of it is just writing down the things that Laravel does out of the box. So you know, adhering to those kind of things makes it easier. And sometimes I'll forget. So it's nice to have, like, if someone asks me, what do I do this or this? Well, I'd go and look at that style guide because for me, I would, if I have to think about it, I won't remember because normally it's just yeah. like from here, it just flows out of the fingers and into the, into Vim. So it's, um, it's, it's easier. If someone Humble asks me brag. the question. Humble brag. <laughs> and to Vim, you know, just get my buffer going and like, you know, 2WR whatever. I don't know. You Vim colon. crazy. Colon. Colon. Yeah. Don't forget the colon. I learned after, yeah. after like 10 years of using Vim, I learned about control O the other day, which is amazing. What's that? Tell me. So if you're in insert mode, it will allow you to like bump back into normal mode for the next command. So you don't have to like hit escape, then do the thing, then oh, like nice. go back into insert mode. Oh, interesting. Mm. So you can say control O and then do like what you would do if you were in, what mode is it if you're not in insert mode? In normal mode. Command mode? 
normal mode. Normal mode, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it kicks you back to normal mode to kind of do your next command and then kicks you back into insert. Yeah, so if you wanted to like delete, delete a word, for example, you'd be like control O, D-I-W, and that would like delete the word and then put you back into your insert mode, which is... Interesting. I, and, and as I said, I've been using Vim for 10 years and I've just learned this. So there's, so much in there. Yeah, there's and like I've just... I decided it was time after three or four years of using the same theme to change themes. And that's been an adventure because like Vim and Tmux don't play nicely with each other with some themes. So I finally got it all set up and running. But yeah, so di- diverging, we've diverged. So yeah. yeah no, it, so, so as far as like the, the style guide, like, so where does that live? Is that like on a site on your, on your yeah. intranet or like, where does it live at? No, it's public. So it's just at style.dorinda.com.au. So I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes. Um, it's so like, you actually, so, so the, the style guide for your company is at style.dorinda. Yeah. Like, like, so when the they're one like, Hey, how, how should I do this? You're like, well, what I say <laughs> is this, That's right. go reference my page. That is how we do things here. That's right. And we've got, we've got That's a PHP nice. CS as well, which is good. Um, for if you're using CS fixer, it will get you most of the way there. Style CI was still tweak a couple of things because they've got their own like custom CS fixer rules that they do not make public. Um, so there are some things that it does, but the, the PHP CS config that, that we use is largely compatible with style CI. So not much changes assuming you're actually using it. So, um, but yeah, it's, as I said, it's nice just to have it written down because when I'm writing code, it's just instinctive to do it. But if I have to stop and think, sometimes I'll forget. So I'll go back there and I'll reference it. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I might. I've been thinking about rewriting that thing to use ViewPress just for something different. In theory, I should just be able to pick all the Markdown files up and drop them into ViewPress, and it all just works. So yeah, Jason, <laughs> I'm interested in hearing, uh, like, from your experience. You, you know, you've been developing for 20 years, whatever. What's uh, on the different teams you've worked on and the different products you've worked on? Like, how do you guys typically manage that? Like, the set of rules that you use to kind of say, like, hey, for consistency's sake, this is how we do these particular things. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen teams do it differently. Kind of like I mentioned, you know, in the intro, I mean, my history, gosh, I've probably been on 20 different teams and I've definitely been on a handful where they were documented, you know, kind of quote unquote physically somewhere, right? All in one place. But I find like with any other documentation as developers, unfortunately, we don't really read that. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens best or what works best in practice that I've seen on other teams and, and I would probably adopt myself is, is just code review. You know, it's it's just that classic human sitting around the campfire storytelling kind of mm. folklore bit. Like that's how information gets spread naturally. Um, and so it's the same idea that, you know, the pull request is the campfire in the analogy for developers. And I just feel like, yes, it's maybe you got to repeat yourself a couple times or whatnot, right? But I mean, you know, make a little copy paste buffer in your notes or something so you can just drag the same yeah. reference over, um, you know, and I just think that's where it comes across the best in my opinion mm. code review is is critical for leveling up uh developers but also keeping senior devs or or, or more experienced devs honest because mm. there is a way documentation it's not just like i'm picking on you new guy yeah, you know yeah, or right. new dev yeah, yeah. um so i think that's kind of like 
when you do have developers that are a little more like new and maybe insecure, that is sort of the feeling that I feel like they can get sometimes is like, mm-hmm. man, I just wish you'd quit being like so harsh on my code. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not like a criticism of you. This is just how we do things here, you know? And so like, if you have it written down then it kind of helps to alleviate some of that pressure of mm-hmm. like, no, 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 this is not like bad on bad on, you know, how you're doing things. This is just a different style than maybe what you're used to. Yeah. I've learned with the new devs too over the time because again, some of my more recent jobs, they've put me kind of in these roles that you're talking about where maybe I'm more, you know, lead programmer or whatever they want to call it. I do try to be lenient with devs. There'll be things I'll let slip through in early PRs that maybe, maybe I wouldn't with other devs and, and maybe from a strict sense, I shouldn't, but I don't, you don't want to go down that road, you know, where you're you're not wanting someone to submit a code review to you because it's you, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, because yeah. you were going to hammer it. So you have to learn in the beginning. I wasn't like that. I mean, I would, I would find every, like just roast them space. Yeah. Yep. Just, yeah. Just burn <laughs> them. Yeah. Burn them down. <laughs> and you know, I think again, over time you start to value what's important. So as long as it has the core things, as long as I see things like readability, I might let a curly brace or whatever slide because you know what, it'll get picked up the next time a developer mm. formats it or whatnot you know yeah yeah it's like you know you have you only have so much leadership capital to expend right yeah. and so it's like you yeah. really want to save it up to, to spend it on those things that are, that are important instead of like burning all of your capital with like these tiny little changes that literally make no difference other than just mm. that's the style that we use here which yeah. is why i feel that like a thing like laravel fixer as a as a <laughs> ci tool makes so much sense is because it's yeah. not yeah. personal at that point it's a machine it doesn't yeah. it doesn't hurt your feelings it's just telling you hey this is how it works right and so there's no you know it's not a person attacking your code it's just kind of like does it for you so yeah, yeah i don't yeah. know i really like that idea i think it's a cool well i wanted i wanted to do that i've had visions of doing that with base code so although base code's meant to be you know any code it's not even laravel specific it's even though the code samples are mostly php sure. it's it's not even php specific i mean these practices transcend language but I did think about making some kind of code smell shift or analysis or yeah sniffer that would look for things like like the base code practices. So yeah. that's probably something I, I may revisit in time. I want to get this fixer a little farther and kind of prove mm. that path first, and then you know I'll kind of pioneer it with the fixer, and then if that goes well, then yeah maybe I'll make some kind of like base code analysis to kind of cross pollinate the products because. Like I said, it's fun to do the scattershot approach, but at the same time, you you need to make sure you're focused as well. I mean, you can't be a jack of all trades and have every single, you know, different product. Like I want to get it back to kind of its core. Yeah. But as as great as Shift is and, and some of these other products, you know, are, they're still in their infancy. I, I really hope that they have, you know, a long, a long way ahead of them. I think what Shift might be in, you know, another two years is not, maybe necessarily exactly what it is today or what it's known for today. Maybe it, I think it's time for it to evolve is the point. Mm So I'm looking forward to some of these other automation pieces. Yeah. I I loved that. uh, 
even with, I feel like, you know, you've talked a little bit about this and we're going to, we'll wrap this up because we're, I know we're hitting time here, Michael. Um, but, uh, one of the things that I've appreciated and that we talked about just a little bit before the show started is this whole MVP workflow out of uh, idea. Right. And I feel like I've adopted that, like this whole idea of Yagni as well, right? Like you aren't going to need it. That was the first, I think that was one of the first talks I ever heard you give. Um, yeah. uh, that's almost an extreme programming sort of thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a principle of extreme programming. Sure. So um, that's a super whole interesting thing, but uh, just this MVP sort of idea of like, get it out there, get feedback and then iterate instead of waiting until you have what you believe is perfect. And then, you know, getting it out there and really getting your feelings hurt almost because it's like you've spent so much time perfecting what you believe is the correct solution. And then Mm -hmm. like people come back and say, oh, that's actually not what we're looking for. So Laravel Shift has kind of always adopted that mantra. And I remember Mm -hmm. when it was first came out as very like just it was just super basic. It was just like, hey, like we're just going to use like here, just put your card in thing and blah, 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 whatever. It was very, very simple. And just like you said, again, kind of just testing the waters. Like, let's see how this goes. And then, yeah. um, you know, design was like, I think it, was, it wasn't bad. It was just like, you know, I don't know. If oh, it was no, boot, it was bootstrap. It was bootstrap. Or, <laughs> yeah, it was just bootstrap, right? And then as time went on, it was like, I think like a year, or a year and a half kind of down the road. It was like, hey, you know what? Like this has actually been successful enough. I'm actually going to take the time to do some custom design on this. Right. And so I, yeah. I appreciate that. And well, I, I had I think Jack, I had Jack do it to kind of bring it into the Laravel family. Yeah. 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 Jack so I th- yeah. So, uh, I, I think that's a really cool and, and really valuable practice and, and something that, uh, yeah, if people have questions about, they can talk to you about more, I suppose, since we are out of time or we'll have well, to have um, yeah, on again quickly. Sometime. They can watch well quickly. They can watch the, uh, the Laracon video, uh, from gosh, what was that? 2000, 15 maybe anyways think, yeah, youtube like, youtube jason yeah. mccreary yagni Laircon, you'll find it so definitely check that out for kind of more on that but yeah firm believer in it long story short it boils back down to time time is the most valuable resource to me and as such you can see that shine through in a lot of stuff that i touch uh because i just i don't want to spend i value my time so much that it's like i don't want to waste it doing the wrong thing like i'm almost scared of yeah. it. it it's almost it's almost a, a little bit probably extreme in my case, <laughs> but uh, I do think a pinch of it could could be valuable for most devs because we do have a tendency to go and just kind of build something in a hole. And I've learned that it's just better to kind of throw something out there, even if it's not all the way polished. Like I just launched the shift subscriptions and there's things in there where like you can't even add quantities or yeah. anything you know you have to email me for certain <laughs> things you have to email me your api key kind of thing and it's that's okay because it's only like you know 10 people right now and i can do that yeah. but i can give a super fast example of this so like we were trying to build up like notifications for this one thing when uh it was like hey this team in our in our company needs to be notified when some of these actions take place in our in our application but i was like i don't know how often they're actually going to need to be notified and I don't really want to like put the code into our code base of like a notifiable and like all that stuff. I'm like, what's the easiest way we could do this? I'm like, okay, we're using paper trail. Paper trail has alerts. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. Anytime we want to notify this team, we're just going to say notify core in the log paper trail is going to pick it up every minute. It's going to email it out. That's it (laughs) done. So now all we have is a logger statement. Anytime we want to do this, it's just logger and it just sends them the email with the context. And what we figured is like, once it gets annoying enough, they'll let us know and we'll refactor it and change it to something else. Right. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) yeah, it's just like, it's so much easier to kind of like 
just do it easy first uh, with the ability to change that later, of course, but like just do it easy first, get the feedback instead of like building this whole thing that might not even be necessary, right? Maybe this happens twice and is, you know, it's not a big deal. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Well, um, Michael, any uh, further thoughts on this? I, uh, as once again, always, I end up sometimes talking my face off. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing from me, but I think we should give J-Mac the opportunity to let us know where people can follow him, buy his stuff and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm uh, gone dark on Twitter. Uh, so definitely uh, follow me on there for kind of just weekly stuff. Other than that, I'm sure, you know, everything will be linked in the show notes, you know, Laravel shift, base code, the talk we mentioned, Yagni, even the Laravel by the numbers talk we can throw on there. And then I am doing uh, some workshops on Laravel, um, just kind of weekly workshops in the vein of Laracon online. Some are free, some are, you know, 12 bucks, pretty simple mm -hmm. every Wednesday. So um, we're going to start getting into the cool topics of Laravel here in a couple weeks. So nice. some of the stuff so far has been pretty basic, but check all that out. Yeah, definitely. We'll have links to all of that good stuff in the show notes. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to episode 56 with us. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 56. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at North South Audio. If you like the show, please feel free to rate us up in your podcast of choice. Five stars is always appreciated. Thanks so much again for joining us at whatever time it is for you and at a late hour for most of us and a middle of the day for Michael. You lucky <laughs> son of a gun. All right, everybody. We will see you in two weeks. See you. Bye.